Well, hello and welcome to week number five at Summer at CCA. My name is John and I'm so glad you're able to join us today. So, what we believe is that church is not a building, church is not an organization, and church is not a Sunday service. Church is a group of people. It's a family, it's a team, it's a group of people that are on a common mission together to better love Jesus, to love each other, and love the world. And here's how we're trying to do that this summer is one, we all wanna be learning about this important idea of prayer. And so we put together this 30 minute video that you're watching, this is week number five, uh, where we're all together learning about prayer and learning about how we can live in this practice is incredibly important. But just watching, just learning is just the first step. Uh, we want to be able to make this practical into our everyday life. And we believe that the best way to do that is to do it together uh, as a family, as a group of people. So uh, after you watch this video today, there is a list of questions and activities for you to discuss and then for you to actually give this whole thing a try. And so I hope that you can take the time to do that. Uh, we believe the best way for you to do that is in what we're calling these watch parties. So if you're a part of one of the watch parties already, then take time to discuss these things together and to practice praying. If you're not in the watch party together, uh, you can still join one or you could kind of create your own. Just grab a few people around you and watch together and spend some time discussing. And especially for what we're talking about today, we're gonna to talk about the idea of unanswered prayers, uh, which might lead to some big, uh, deep, uh, maybe even painful discussions. And we want to be able to be the kind of a place where we can kind of strip back the veneer and really go into the deeper level of discussions and relationships. That's what a family should be. And so I hope you can take the time to do that uh, together. Uh, in addition uh, to everything we do uh, as a family, uh, we want to have some big family gatherings. And so some of the times we're getting together in these small groups right now called watch parties. Uh, but on August 8th, we want to get together with kind of the bigger part of our family. So different people who are in different watch parties all gathering together. And we're going to have a worship night together uh, at the building that we use, uh, 181 Western Avenue, 7 p.m. We're going to get in lawn chairs and just kind of gather around in the grass. And we're going to sing some songs and pray and spend time just talking and hanging out. And uh, I encourage you, if you're around on August 8th, uh, to come and spend some time with us at the building, 7 p.m., uh, bring your own lawn chair, and we're gonna have a great time together. Uh, also, what we do as a family is we're trying to be the most generous people around. Uh, and we can do that in a couple different ways. Uh, one, you can give to something that just makes your heart beat fast, a, a cause, an organization that you really believe in. You should give to them. You should be really, really generous and maybe share with other folks how you're being generous and how they can join with you. Uh, we encourage you to find ways to be just hospitable, uh, especially during the summer, there's barbecues and picnics and uh, taking people out for ice cream, uh, inviting uh, friends over, find ways that you can do hospitality. And three, as a family, we all wanna pool some of our money together so we can do some really neat things. Uh, and everything we have as a church, uh, the, the building that we're able to use, uh, staff, uh, uh, all the uh, equipment that we use for movie nights and things like that, that's all done through generosity through folks like you. So uh, you can be a part of that by giving with the link on our website or you can send a check in, lots of different ways to do that. But we just wanna to come together as a family and we want to be growing in this practice of, of prayer, of connection, sharing with each other and fun. 
Uh, so as we get started today is we're going to talk about uh, unanswered prayer. I just want to spend a little bit of time praying for you. So if you want to join me in prayer. Uh, Jesus, thank you for the chance we have to come together, not just as individuals trying to do this on our own. Uh, thanks that we're not just, you know, all gathered maybe together in a building where we're all together, but, you know, we don't really have a chance to discuss uh, or really, you know, try these things together. But that we are, as a church, trying to actually live these practices out. And so help us today as we watch, as we discuss. Uh, help us to learn what you want us to learn, but help us to share with other folks. Help us to learn together. Help us to share our pain. Help us to share our struggles, uh, our doubts, and help us to share in our celebrations as well. And help us just to do this all as a family as we grow in your name. Amen. pray. Amen. Love you guys. Enjoy the teaching today. Here we are, four sessions into the prayer course. We've talked just over these sessions about a lot of great stories of answered prayers, uh -huh. but the truth is that it's not always that simple, is it? It's certainly not. Prayer is the most wonderful thing in the world in many ways, but I think we've got to be honest that sometimes it's also the most painful thing. I think one of the things that I appreciate so much about you is that you're not afraid to talk about that. In fact, one of my favorite books that you've written is a book on unanswered prayer, and that's God on Mute. Um, and I think you probably wrote that at a time when people were wanting you to write more books about miracles, right? Yeah, they really were. They were, they were wanting me to be the guy who just tells everyone that prayer always works. Right. And actually, I felt I had to be honest about the fact that, yes, prayer does work, and, and, and there really are miracles, but also that it doesn't always work the way that we need it to or want it to and it can be incredibly painful. And that comes out of my own personal experience. But, you know, e even just recently, uh, a friend of mine, Tom, um, has just died. And I'm right now, if I'm honest, still processing that. As a Christian, asking God what went on. He died so suddenly, 15 weeks after diagnosis, aged just 40. He left behind a beautiful wife, two amazing young daughters. And we prayed and we prayed and it simply didn't work. And it's devastating. I, I, I don't know why God didn't heal him. Mm. But I do know this, at his memorial service, there were tears, we all wept, but there was also great hope because he knew Jesus and we know Jesus. And so it, this is the paradox of faith, right? Um, some people will know that that's the story in many ways of the 24-7 prayer movement. I think for the, probably the first 18 months, we felt like we had cracked the revival code and <laughs> like we'd worked out, if we just pray in this way, we're gonna see the kingdom come. And then for me, that was when my wife got very, very sick mm. and very nearly died on numerous occasions 
I've talked about it elsewhere, I talk about it in the book. And, and watching her slipping into epileptic fits again and again and again, the face you love more than any other. And she has a very dangerous kind of epilepsy. It means she has to get into hospital. Um, and I prayed, of course I did. I cried out to God with every fibre of my being. And almost every time it's not worked. Mm. I mean, weirdly, a couple of times it has, but hundreds of times it hasn't. And so then you have to process, like, she's coming around in hospital the next morning and it's not just the pain and the logistics and the emotion, but it's, God, where were you? And so I'd moved from this position of thinking that our prayers could save the world yeah. to wondering whether they could even save my own wife. And we, we've just got to be honest about all of that stuff, I mm. believe. That's really just so moving, Pete. And I, I appreciate your honesty so much. I think this is something that hangs in your house. Right. Well, in our bedroom, actually, when, uh, when we were just getting through some of the worst of Sammy's illness, someone gave us this beautiful piece of art. And it's, it's Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And that hangs uh, in our bedroom, facing our bed, um, and has done ever since, wherever we've lived. It's such a promise that, yes, there is nighttime, yes, there is weeping, especially for Christians, but we believe in the morning. We believe in the resurrection that comes after the death. Mm. So even for my friend Tom, there's weeping and there's a sense of darkness, but we know the third day comes. We know we'll see him again. We, we know joy cometh in the morning. That's the Christian paradox. Complete realism about the tears and the darkness of life, but also about the hope of dawn and the joy to come. Mm. But I suppose there are going to be some people that are going to say that just by talking about unanswered prayer, that we're decreasing faith, that it's right. kind of counterproductive. Yeah. I feel really strongly about this because actually the Bible is so much more honest about unanswered prayer than the church is. Mm. About half the Psalms, maybe a bit more, aren't happy clappy they are bitter lament it's blues guitar not nice happy music and the word israel means the struggle so we are part of a faith that's all about wrestling and jesus himself said in this world you will have trouble and we we don't put a nice filter on that on instagram you know yeah it's, no. <laughs> it's one of those ones we we kind of avoid and then talking of jesus he himself lives with unanswered prayer to this day because he prayed that his church would be united. And the last time I checked, that, that's not happened. Yeah. The church is bitterly divided. So if Jesus himself is living with unanswered prayer right now in heaven, and if the Bible can be that honest about unanswered prayer, then it's high time that we worked harder to create cultures of honesty in the church. And I don't believe that that is unbelief. I think that's actually a form of belief. If you don't believe in God, then when your prayers don't get answered, you just say, well, it's because it's not true. Mm. But you ask the question, why didn't God answer? Because you believe in him, because you trust him, because you know he's real, because you know that he's loving. So it really is a form of faith to wrestle with these kind of things. It's not unbelief. But still, you know, even in the midst of that, and even when we admit it, it's still very difficult to understand, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. And I think this is where it is so profoundly meaningful for Christians 
that we believe in a God who came and suffered with us mm. on the cross. In fact, I think if it wasn't for the cross, I don't, I don't think any of the rest of the Christian message would make any sense at all. It's this truth that at the crossroads of all human experience is a God who suffers. And there is such empathy and wisdom in that story. I'd like us to look at it now, actually, if that's yeah. all right. This is Mark chapter 14. And we're going to look at verses 32 to 36. It's the story of the Garden of Gethsemane. So Jesus is in great turmoil as he prepares for the cross. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Mm. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. So much in, in that passage that I think can really help us when we are struggling with unanswered prayer. The first thing is notice how vulnerable Jesus is with his friends. We're told that he's overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death. And yet he very intentionally takes Peter, James and John, his three best friends with him into his place of grief and asks them for their support. You've probably experienced this, I know I have. When you really suffer, there's such temptation to hide and yeah. to isolate yourself yes. away. And Jesus does the opposite. He includes his friends and he knows he needs their help more than ever. And then the next thing to note is that in Jesus' hour of greatest need, he pursued prayer. He knew that his friends were important, but that his father's presence was the, the real great need of his soul. One word from the father can bring more comfort than a thousand from just some human mate. And then notice what Jesus prays. It's amazing that this vulnerable prayer is recorded for us in detail, probably because the three, three friends, Peter, James and John, overheard it and, and, and went into the Gospels. But first of all, Jesus says, Abba, Father. So when he's hurting, he anchors himself in the love of God. Mm. He doesn't say, oh, if you really cared for me, you wouldn't make me go through this. Right. He doesn't question God's love. God's love isn't up for debate. And then he continues, he says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. So having affirmed God's love, he affirms God's power. In my own life, I know that when I'm scared, when I'm suffering, when I'm hurting, there is a temptation to question God's love. Do you really love me? You know, why am I suffering? But the other one is sometimes to question God's power, is to downgrade God's mm. power and say, well, I guess this is just too difficult for you, or you can't do that. And Jesus doesn't do that. There's an old Hebrew saying that says, God is not a kindly old uncle, he's an earthquake. Mm. And I think what love that, that. Yeah, it's good, <laughs> isn't it? Because there's problems, in, I'm sure, in, in your life like mine that a kindly old uncle can only smile at, right. but an earthquake maybe could you shake it. Yeah. So 
affirm God's love and God's power. And then the next phrase in the prayer is one of the most surprising bits of the whole Bible. Because Jesus says, take this cup from me. In other words, Jesus is saying, I don't want to die. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to be the guy on a thousand stained glass windows on the cross. Jesus is praying unbiblically. He's gone off message, off piste. It's radical honesty and vulnerability. And it is essential that we are honest when we are hurting and scared and suffering. And Jesus shows us the way to do that, to be honest with our friends and to be honest with God himself. Yeah. This is so helpful, Pete. But is it okay if I ask you a tough question? Of course. So you said that God is our Abba Father, right? He's all loving and that everything is possible for him, which means he's all powerful. A lot of people are going to be thinking right now, if God is all loving, if he's all powerful, then why doesn't he stop people from suffering? Okay, so you do know you've probably just asked the hardest theological question of them all. (laughs) The theologians call it theodicy. And that there aren't many easy answers. But I have found it helpful to think in terms of three things. God's world, God's war, and God's will. So first of all, God's world. Some prayers aren't answered because it's just the way that God's made the world to work. Mm -hmm. And Christians aren't immune from the laws of nature, the laws of science. Um, For example, on our wedding day, it poured with rain. It wasn't exactly what Sammy and I had been dreaming of. But actually, if every single couple who prayed for a sunny wedding day got it, there'd be drought in in the land. There must be some farmer somewhere who's praying for it to rain. So there's just laws that make the world work for the vast majority of people, the vast majority of time. And um, we're part of that system. And C.S. Lewis talks about this. He says that God can and does on occasions modify the behavior of matter and produce what we call miracles is part of Christian faith. But the very concept of a common and therefore stable world demands that these occasions should be extremely rare. If God just does miracles all the time, the world's not going to work. Okay, I got that. So I drop a brick on my toe, but it doesn't float just because God loves me. Exactly. And then there's the next one. So that's God's world. The next one is God's war. Uh, The Bible teaches, and most people on earth believe, that we are in a spiritual battle. There is a vicious enemy. And as Christians, we are often targeted. And therefore, some prayers aren't answered because there is an enemy. Satan is actively and successfully opposing the will of God. And it can hurt quite literally like hell. And we are going to look at this in a whole session of its own on spiritual warfare in the final session of this course. Okay, but I kind of have like a million questions right now. Yeah, I get that. I know. I promise we will come on to those. Can we, can we just park the I guess so. spiritual warfare I guess thing so. for a minute? Okay, <laughs> so we had God's world, God's war, uh, and then there's God's will. The third reason for unanswered prayer is not the laws of nature opposing our prayers, and not Satan opposing them, but sometimes it's God Mm. who is opposing our prayers, who's saying no to them. And that can be relatively straightforward, actually, sometimes, just because God knows best. And in his love, he says no, and then we look back and we realise why. Like, I'm really glad that many of my prayers haven't been answered. Otherwise, I'd probably have grown up to marry a Spice Girl (laughs) and to work in a zoo. That was my uh, dream in my teenage years. But obviously, there are other prayers that God says no to that we just 
don't understand. And I've just talked about my own grief right now, processing my friend Tom's death. And that's one of those things I just have to choose to trust, even though I don't understand. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about Jesus promising us trouble. And I think we'd all say that we've definitely experienced that. But have you got any practical advice for us? I think right. we all have those times when we just feel like God is a million miles away. We're praying, but it feels like our prayers are just bouncing against the ceiling. Yeah, well, I think it's really important to remember, first of all, that God's silence isn't the same as God's absence. Mm. Don't confuse those two. Just because your prayers aren't working, or, or maybe God seems distant, it doesn't actually mean that he's far away because he's actually promised in the Bible, I will never leave you, Poppy. I will never forsake you. Often, like we're new Christians, it's like we can see God, we can feel him, it's like super easy. And then there come seasons in our life where we can't see him the way we once did. We can't feel him. We can't hear him the way we once did. Yeah. And it's not that he's abandoned us. It's that he's trying to mature us into mm. something new. He's present, but he's allowing us to kind of grow into new maturity. Mm. I think it was uh, St. John of the Cross that talked about the dark night of the soul. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Those are times when God seems to withdraw from us and immerses us in spiritual darkness. And yet those are often times of great spiritual growth and faith. Mm. There's like a bloody mindedness to true Christian discipleship. Uh, you see it in many of the great biblical heroes. One of my favorite examples is Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, you know, the story of Daniel and the lion's den and all that. And there's this humorous moment, really, where Nebuchadnezzar says, like, if you don't bow down to my idols, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And they say to him, the God we follow can save us and will save us from your fire. Okay, so that's real faith. It's yeah. like this defiance exactly. statement, right? And then they go, but even if he doesn't save us, we still won't bow down. <laughs> so what is that? I think what that is, is faithfulness, mm. right? Faith is, I trust God. He can do it. He can do miracles. He can answer my prayers. Faithfulness is, but even if he doesn't, I'm still going to follow and trust. And it's like when our prayers don't work and we're still true, our faith fills up, it becomes full, full faithfulness. It's like faith is God's gift to us and a faithfulness is our gift back to God. It's, it's those times when our prayers don't work and we're still true to him. Yeah. That is actually when we grow in character. Mm. So Poppy, do you know, I bet, I bet you know some old man, old woman who's like been a Christian for years, gone through really hard times, mm. but they just have this amazing trust and joy in yes, life. Yes, absolutely. Right? And those are the people we all want to grow up and be like. And their, their story is never, I've had an easy life. It's always, I've had a hard life, but I've learned to trust God. Mm. And they often have this real simplicity. It's that bloody mindedness, it's that faithfulness, that's the filling up of, uh, uh, of faith. And uh, it, it's been true to God even when it doesn't make sense. If, if our prayers were always answered, then faith is just a logical thing to do. But when it doesn't seem sensible, when our prayers aren't working but we're still true, 
that's faithfulness. Mm. I, I think, though, that's really challenging, though, right? And also maybe a little exciting, right? Because it yeah. feels like there's an objective, like there's some place that God is trying to take us. Yeah, exactly. The, the Apostle Paul says this amazing thing. He says that we can glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, mm. perseverance, character, and character, hope. And then he says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. Isn't that beautiful? So good. Even in the middle of suffering, we can know the hope that comes from God's love. And, and we always want God to airlift us out of our problems, right? That's a miracle. That's yes, an answer please prayer. Lord. Right. <laughs> and sometimes he does it. Yeah. But more often he parachutes in and he joins us in the midst of the trouble and, and the problem. That's been my experience definitely with Sammy's illness. Mm. He's often come very close to us in sometimes the scariest times. And so I'm learning to ask the question of God, where, not why. Mm. I find when I say to God, why did this happen? Why? He doesn't really answer me very much. But when I say, where are you in this situation? He always answers. Mm. And when we, when we come to God with that question, where are you? We start to experience his presence, even when we're going through hard times and disappointment. Yeah, that's, that's really, really so helpful. Where, not why. Yeah. Parachutes, not airless. Right. Uh, God's world, God's war, and God's will. Mm -hmm. Faith and faithfulness. And you know, there's this one last little thing that helps link together both our understanding of God's will and Christ's prayer in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he utters that great prayer of, of relinquishment, where he says at the end, not my will, but your will be done. And that's the hardest prayer anyone can ever pray. When we're in those situations and we're scared and we're hurting and mm. God doesn't seem to be answering our prayers the way we want or maybe even need, and we come to that place of saying, not my will but yours be done. It's a prayer of relinquishment. It's a dark kind of trust. You know, every fibre of your being wants God to just parachute in and rescue you. But you, you, but you just say, I'm going to trust you regardless. When Sammy went into the MRI scanner, completely alone, couldn't even take her wedding ring in, um, she was so scared that she just puked everywhere. And then it's like, how do you prepare as a Christian? How do you prepare to go back into that? That's the valley of the shadow of death for, right, for, for, for her. her yeah. right. And what she did was she memorized Psalm 91. It's quite a long Psalm, but it's all about God being with us and his promise of hope and life. And so they, 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 you know, when they put you into the, the tube, they say, do you want the radio on? Trust me, when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, you do not want like Britney Spears in there with you. Right. right? <laughs> so she instead, she just recited Psalm 91 mm. and she came out of that and she said, Pete, I experienced the presence of God in there with me. I didn't feel alone, even there. You couldn't be there, but he was there with me. And that's the good news that we have in Jesus, that he is with us always. His silence, remember, is not his absence. And even when we don't understand, we can still trust. Mm, that's so, so good. I feel like this episode is, is really important 
it's really important to acknowledge that there are people out there right now who are just hurting. I hope that this session has given people some answers in their heads, mm. like some of the questions. It's yeah. important to think about that stuff. But the most important thing is that people find some of God's presence in their hearts and their, people are going through a really hard times. So as we finish with this prayer, let's do that. Let's pray the actual prayer of Jesus in Gethsemane. And I'm aware that for some people watching this, this is, this is a darker kind of trust. Yeah. But yeah, let's pray. Let's do it. Abba, Father, Everything is possible for you, God. I thank you so much, God, that you love me so deeply, especially when I'm hurting, and that you have the power to answer my prayers. God, there's so many times that I want to pray this prayer, take this cup from me. I don't want to suffer. But God, not my will, but your will. I trust you, God, even when I don't understand. Give me faith, and God, teach me to be faithful. Amen. Enemy meant for evil. 
and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good I'm gonna see her victory I'm gonna see her victory for the battle belongs to you Lord I'm gonna see turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good 